0: Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell, Cheryl's niece and co-host. This podcast explores some of the themes highlighted in my book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, and my Conscious Transitions blog. Join us as we dive into the realms of our inner worlds to ask deep questions, grow more self-trust and self-love, and embrace sensitivity, creativity, and the rhythms of the natural world. If you would like to connect with me, Victoria, and others in the Gathering Gold listener community and support the podcast to help us continue our work, please consider joining our Patreon patreon.com slash gathering gold. To learn more about Cheryl's course offerings, including courses to support you in breaking free from anxiety in all forms, learning to trust yourself, and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty, please visit Cheryl's website, conscious-transitions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Cheryl is at Wisdom of Anxiety, and I am at Perennials Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hello, Gathering Gold listeners. This is Cheryl, and I am flying solo today. I'm going to be talking about trust and self-trust and grief in the body. But what I noticed as I was thinking about recording this without my dear Victoria by my side is that it's going to require trusting myself to record this alone. And I could feel some self-doubt in the wings, but then I recognized this as a mind trick, as a way to try to protect me against the sadness that Victoria isn't here with me and the reason why she's not here, which I will share in a couple of minutes. So here's the first piece of self-trust that I want to highlight. Trust lives in our bodies, and when we're in the rumination state of self-doubt, or analysis paralysis, or caring too much about what random people think, it's an indicator that we've disconnected from our body knowing and wisdom. Our bodies know everything we need to know. Our bodies know everything we need to know. But we've been taught to disconnect from our bodies and outsource our self-trust since birth. And yet, by some miracle, our bodies have never stopped communicating with us. So, when I dropped underneath the doubt, allowing the doubt to be there, but also going underneath it, I was noticing, noticing, even in this moment, the grief. Yes, my own sadness that Victoria is not here with me because I love the creative space that we share together and create together. But it's much deeper than that. It's the grief that has just shattered my husband's family this week. My husband's oldest sister, Victoria's aunt, one of her aunts, passed away on Tuesday. So I would like to take a few moments to be in silence with you, our dear listeners, to slow down and drop in and down together to honor this grief. I would like to center Victoria and my husband and his siblings and my mother-in-law and his sister's children and grandchildren to bring them all into this space with us into this sacred community. And I want to invite you to bring your grief into this space, to place a hand on your heart and close your eyes and allow any grief you may be carrying to rise up to the surface, to be held here in this virtual community, To be tended to like you would a child. To watch any swirl of thoughts that are so easy to get caught in. And instead drop in and down. We are all carrying so much grief right now. Collective grief, personal grief. And we don't have enough spaces to hold this grief together. If you're not in a space where you can join us in this way, please come back to this later so that you can give yourself the gift of slowing down and honoring grief. Starting to notice what's living in your body. And it can be grief about anything from the seasonal change to a loved one who has recently passed or who is struggling with illness, to your own awareness of passage of time, children growing up, all of the stages and ages and passages, challenges that we are faced with as humans. If tears are present, welcome them. Notice how your body responds to the invitation to be with grief. It's not the typical invitation that we receive in our culture. Is there heaviness in your chest, tightness in your throat, a resistance or a desire to push away and run? tune into your body and notice the communication that comes from this holy vessel. Breathe. Move slowly, slow everything down. If you have a candle and matches, ready, available, close by, please light a candle. And we will be in silence for about a minute together. I also want to say that grief doesn't always come out as tears, it can come out as irritation or anger, it can come out as a sense of distress, groundlessness, vulnerability. There's not a right way to experience your grief. There is only the recognition that it's here and the desire to try to move toward it, to try to listen to the ways that your body and heart communicate grief and to trust. To trust in your way. Trust in your way. For me, Self-trust and the body are intimately connected. When we trust our bodies, we trust ourselves. And self-trust is also connected to self-worth and self-knowledge. When we know who we are and we like who we are, we trust ourselves. When we trust that we're worthy just as we are, that we don't have to prove ourselves, that we allow ourselves to reside in the fundamental goodness of our being, that the outcome of our decisions isn't evidence or a measure of self-worth, then we can navigate the world from the inside out, and we can move more freely. I'm watching our older son, Everest, navigate this process of self-trust right now as he's in the college application process, and it reminds me of so many of my clients and course members who think back to that process with some distress and some grief, recognizing how mired they were in self-doubt. For Everest, there are two colleges that would likely be a very good match for him, and If he gets into both, he'll have a hard decision to make. We've been talking about this decision for a long time, doing our research, visiting each college, and we're long past the pros and cons stage. So, how will he make this decision? Our culture tells us that we make decisions in the head. We make lists, we weigh the pros and cons. But we all know that this is only helpful to a point. Everest will make this decision by trusting himself. He might not describe it this way, but what I've seen of his decision-making process is that he tunes into his body knowing and he trusts in his decision. He could become very caught in his head and try to predict five years down the road which college will give him the best chance to be selected as a naval aviator and eventually an astronaut. But he knows that he can't predict anything five years down the road, and when he gets caught in that mindset, things don't go very well. One of the best pieces of advice that he's gleaned from the extensive reading he's done on astronauts and their path in life and they, many of them will say the same thing. Choose based on what you love, not on what you think NASA or a college or any kind of organization or system will be looking for. To try to play to the system is to externalize his decision-making process. And when he follows this advice choose based on what he loves, the choice becomes crystal clear. One college is the smart choice. It probably looks better on paper, more prestigious. And the other is the heart choice, which brings him joy and feels more closely aligned with his value system. He also knows, and this is such a critical piece that he'll be okay no matter what, that his worthiness doesn't hinge on where he attends college. And when he gets stressed out about the application process and worries that this or that isn't good enough, I tell him, trust your path, Everest. Trust your gifts. Trust your calling. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to trust. You wouldn't have been given this calling at two years old if you weren't meant to live it out in some way. And that doesn't mean it will be a straight path. But all you have to do for now is trust your gifts. This reminds me of an extraordinary interview I've been listening to with Trisha Hersey on We Can Do Hard Things. Trisha is an activist and a passionate advocate of dismantling grind culture and encouraging rest, listening to our bodies, taking time each day to dwell in rest where dreams and the mystery and creativity are generated. At one point near the end of the episode, Glennon says to Trisha, so you turn down things all the time. Aren't you scared of being irrelevant? And Trisha responds, I'm never worried. No, I trust the divine timing of my life. I trust my gifts and talents that have been given to me by God to make a way for me. I've always trusted that. I never have to worry about that. My faith. When you talk about a faith walk, a leaping, a faith leap, it is deep, radical faith to understand and be courageous enough to push back against the system and say, I've had enough, and I trust the divine, and I trust myself and my gifts to make space for whatever is possible. This is radical trusting work. I listened to this passage several times because it spoke so deeply to me. I'm going to read it again. You turn down things all the time. Aren't you scared of being irrelevant? And Tricia responds, I'm never worried, no. I trust trust the divine timing of my life, I trust my gifts and talents that have been given to me by God to make a way for me. I've always trusted that. I never have to worry about that. My faith, when you talk about a faith walk, a leaping, a faith leap, it is deep, radical faith to understand and be courageous enough to push back against the system and say, I've had enough, And I trust the divine. And I trust myself and my gifts to make space for what is possible. This is radical trusting work. trust, I trust the divine and I trust myself notice where that lands in you I trust myself and I trust the divine Trisha was blessed to be raised by people that instilled this trust in self and others and community and the divine into her She saw it modeled by her dad and grandmother and probably many others in her community. And now she's passing it along to her son. She shares in the episode that when her 15-year-old son is too tired to go to school and needs a rest day, she's fully supportive. She encourages him to take a walk and listen to his body. When he can't get a quiz in on time, she doesn't pander to the system, but she reassures him. It's okay. It's going to be okay. But most of us weren't raised with this modeling. We were raised in the opposite way to disregard our bodies, to blatantly ignore them, ignore their needs, ignore their signals, and to externalize self trust to try to win the approval of caregivers, teachers, religious leaders, other adults and peers. The message was, everyone knows better than you do. And if you play by the rules, you'll be rewarded. If you don't play by the rules, you'll fail and be punished. Sometimes even punished beyond this lifetime. Be good. Follow the rules. Stay within the lines. And probably you'll be okay. Trust yourself, trust your body, learn to listen, 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 learn to orient from the inside out that we are told is dangerous, but that is everything. How do we retrieve and reclaim our lost self-trust? There are many ways. I offer a roadmap in my Trust Yourself course, which I'm offering again live this year on November 12th. The basic roadmap teaches you how to reverse the direction of your focus. You've been taught, most of us have been taught to orient outwards, place our self-worth in other people's hands. This creates a tendency towards perfectionism. Fear of making a mistake. Caring too much about what non-important people think and self-doubt. But somewhere inside of you, you know exactly who you are and what you need. You know what your body needs to feel nourished and well. You know your sleep rhythm, your sleep needs, your rest needs. You know what kind of touch feels loving and giving. And what touch feels more like taking? There is a system of yeses and nos that live inside of you that you can retrieve. Your body knows these things. You know yourself in all four realms of self in your body, your heart, your mind, your soul. For example, you may have been told that you can only know God in a physical church or structure. But what you've noticed is that you feel closest to the divine in nature. There are, of course, things that we don't know because we can't predict the future. Do we know for certain that we're choosing a partnership that will last the rest of our lives? No, we can't possibly know that. We can only choose based on what we know right now. And that's why I offer the cut-through question for those struggling with relationship anxiety. Is this someone with whom I can learn about love? That's all you really can and need to know right now. And the question brings you right into your heart. But when you have practices that orient you towards self-trust, Even the not knowing and uncertainty become more tolerable because you trust that you're being held in the safety, the solidity, the security of your own solid self and in something bigger than you, and also in the web of community. So, what are these practices? There's so many. So many, I'm sure you've stumbled upon them yourself. One of the most powerful practices I've learned over the years to grow and connect to my self-trust is something I learned from my rabbi, Tirzah Firestone, many, many years ago, and her teachings on the central column. And again, I'm sure many of you have come across similar teachings in spiritual readings or yoga It's this metaphor of seeing a column of light in the center of your being, head, heart, belly. And when this column is clear, or the tree trunk is solid, or the well is full of warm water, we feel anchored, and we can access a place of stillness and clarity regardless of what's happening in the inner or outer worlds. This is our center point. This is our warm, safe, sandy island. It's how we continue to stay in our seat even when loss enters our lives and we feel turned upside down and inside out by grief. Out and offer a short visualization to help you connect with your personal metaphor for self-trust, your own north star, a place that you can return to imaginally when you're feeling off kilter or thrown by voices of shame or self-doubt or fear. And the more we practice these visualizations, this imaginal work, and it can even happen in 10 seconds, where we orient inward toward our own metaphors, our own visuals. The more we practice, the steadier we become. The quicker we get back onto that seat of center when we get knocked off. And we will get knocked off. We will get knocked off. That's okay. That's part of being human. That's to be expected. But when we dismantle some of the harmful messages that we've received about orienting outward, externalizing our sense of self, and we bring, return the energy inward, and we learn how to trust ourselves, we also then learn how to trust others and trust in something bigger than ourselves. This is the work. This is the work that allows us to navigate this tumultuous life with more grace, more ease, more clarity, more vision, more solidity. So get into a comfortable position. Notice where your body touches the earth, your feet, your seat. Imagining roots extending down into the earth, anchoring you, rooting you. Earth always beneath us. And at your crown, reaching up, opening light to the skies, to the sun, to the moon, to the stars. And imagining that your breath is the tether that connects the root to the crown. Breathing up and down into this central column, the trunk of you, the well of you. Bringing your attention to the area of your head and opening to any image, color, wise ally, loving ancestor, even a word or a phrase or a symbol to show up trusting what arises. It can be more than one. Something that allows your mind to feel clear, clearing out the debris, opening your mind to light, to receiving light. Loosening up those thought barnacles, untying the knots, calming and soothing this realm of the mind. And moving down to your heart center, maybe placing a hand there. And inviting, allowing an image, or color, an ally, a phrase, a symbol to arise. Perhaps something from nature that warms your heart, that brings a sense of joy a sense of gratitude, a sense of connectedness. It can be very simple. Trusting what arises in this place of your warm, tender, vulnerable heart. and moving down to your belly, placing two hands there if you want to, breathing in, making space, and inviting an image, phrase, color, something from nature, an ally, to arise, this place of our aliveness, our rootedness, our creativity, our fire, our sexuality. Breathing it in, breathing it in. Clearing out what does not belong, clearing out old debris and imprints and messages, places of shame, clearing it out, allowing this image or symbol to help you clear out and open to the fire of you. Your full, uninhibited, free, wild aliveness in this center of you. Noticing what this feels like. to shine a light on these three places in your central column. Breathing again into each one, imagining a connective light moving in between each one. These are not separate places, nothing is separate, all connected. And knowing that you can return to this place at any time. If you're feeling off kilter, you're hearing the self-doubt, to practice turning inward and connecting to your central column, to the trunk of you, to the well of self.